0: I'm Michael Dunn, and you're listening to Oregon Rainmakers on KLCC. My guest today is Katie Brown, the founder of Scorpion Creek Ranch. Brown is attempting to launch this new recovery center for at-risk and homeless youth in a rural and nurturing setting. Katie Brown, the founder of Scorpion Creek Ranch, thanks so much for coming in and talking to us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Sure.
0: Let's start with this. What is Scorpion Creek Ranch?
1: Well, at this point, it is still a concept. We're in the development phase. I've mm-hmm. uh, been working on this full time for over a year. Okay. The basic idea is that we are operating on the assumption that kids, teens, mm-hmm. I'm working on calling them teens, not mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. Um, that if they are seriously struggling living on the streets and all that that entails, that they need a lot more than learning how to operate a cash register Hmm. or stock shelves. Um, They really need the opportunity for some true deep healing. Hmm. So the overall concept of Scorpion Creek Ranch is a holistic, immersive experience for homeless teens to come live on the ranch for somewhere between six and 24 months Wow! A to long time. yeah, it's a it's a really different model mm-hmm. to help them first process trauma and help them feel grounded and safe and secure, and then from that point, help them start to build emotional and tangible life skills to help them go back out into the community and build. Okay. a life that feels meaningful to them and do you have a physical facility yet No not yet
0: okay okay do you have an idea of where you want it located oh
1: yeah oh <laughs> okay. yeah I've had my heart set on a couple properties uh-huh. It was just too early in the game sure. for it um, one of them was a hundred acres out on Battle Creek Road okay so the idea is we're gonna find a piece of property mm-hmm. that is somewhere out in rural Lane County okay that is roughly 50 to a 100 acres
0: okay okay
1: and so it seems like you know what you're talking
0: about it's it's very important to sort of remove people uh, teens from let call it sort of the trauma of you know the
1: downtown inner city wherever and get them away from that is, is that right absolutely okay. i think you know it was really interesting for me to experience firsthand specifically this one property on battle creek road um I went out there multiple times. We actually had a gathering of 25 people, some of our board members. And the experience for me personally, going out to this gorgeous property out, like just surrounded by Mother Nature, by the time I would leave this property, I would feel so relaxed. My nervous system, Hmm. personally, had Hmm. gone into a much more uh, calm state. And so the power of being in Mother Nature is undeniable. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of
0: you personally, you know, this is new for you. I, looking yeah. at your at your bio, you, you you you've been this entrepreneur, restaurateur, fashion. You know, talk about how you decided to make a a pretty major major shift.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think um, my entrepreneurial background is or has been a significant catalyst for this vision to start coming to life, because when I opened my first restaurant, Red Agave, back in 2002, Mm -hmm. I had never even managed a restaurant. I just had a vision along with my business partner at the time to build an experience where, as we used to say, anyone who walks in the front door from the mayor to the farmer fresh off the farm in Mm -hmm. dirty overalls (laughs) is to be made to feel as if they're having dinner at their best friend's house. Mm. So starting then, Um, And then we opened El Vaquero and Asado. You know, we went on, we opened five restaurants. And so the idea, before we opened Red Agave, to be an owner of a restaurant, having never had any experience managing, that didn't intimidate me. Hmm. And the same thing happened when I started my clothing line, uh, Katie Brown LA. Mm -hmm. I had no interest in fashion. Hmm. What I did have an interest in was creating a high-end, timeless, classic line of basics for women made in the USA. That was my starting point. So I just figured out how to do it. So this idea for the ranch came to me uh, in August of 2022 when somebody posed the question to me, if you could open a foundation, what would it be? And I got in my car, and roughly the 12 minutes it took me to drive home, Hmm. I had this what I call lightning bolt moment, which is when I get an idea that feels Mm -hmm. so powerful I can't deny it. Hmm. And the idea that came to me was... To open a ranch to bring homeless teens onto the ranch to help them heal and to also therefore open simultaneously a secondary location in town where once the kids, the teens, excuse me, graduate, Mm -hmm. whatever that means, from the ranch experience after six to 24 months, they move to the second location in town where there will be a den mother that lives there and the kids, sorry, the teens, <laughs> will get the opportunity to start to implement the newly discovered mindsets and um, skill sets that they will have developed on the ranch. And they will have this opportunity to start to implement them in real life. Okay. And we will help them find work, get into school, find housing, but uh, the, during their experience on the ranch, one of the main focuses, there are many, but will be to build out a robust mentor volunteer network. Hmm. So, and we've already started building the list and it's quite impressive. There's a lot of people who really want an opportunity to engage and make a difference. But yeah. I think the problem that we face right now is, I mean, I grew up in Eugene and okay. I remember as a little girl, if I, if I saw a homeless person, I was mesmerized because hmm. I would just look at them and think, how could somebody not have a home? Sure. And now you can't go three blocks.
0: Yeah. 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 Which leads me sort of that to that question. To start something like this, you obviously look around and say, okay. And, and given your entrepreneurial background, you know, why not me is probably a question mm-hmm. you ask. And so you look around and, and you realize, boy, there's a real problem in our community. And it's a problem throughout <laughs> really all up and down the West Coast, if not the country. Yeah. Um, what was the... And, I, and I, diving back a little bit into your own background, you have a story about your sister that you kind of talk about a little bit. And that, that, that I imagine, as you were thinking about doing something like this, that came to mind. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I people ask me, how did I come up with this concept? And uh, I say my why fundamentally stems from the fact that my sister was diagnosed 20 years ago with schizoaffective bipolar. Mm-hmm. And uh, after our mom died in, 2020, in t- uh, 2002, Okay. It was really my dad and I that uh, fought so hard for her over and over again uh, against a system that is completely broken, hmm. and in fact perpetuates and th- it perpetuates more and more trauma. So I, I I lived that firsthand how hard it is for the voiceless to get help.
0: Yeah, yeah and kids teens mm-hmm. as we talk about you know so many of them have left really terrible situations in their family life runaways is, is sort of is, yeah. is sort of the catch-all phrase i mean they don't have a lot of advocates do they
1: no they really don't and you know <clears throat> excuse me one of the things that i learned firsthand again with my sister is that the wraparound services that have been created by our society um as well-intentioned as they are, they're what I call largely, I'm making generalizations here, okay. but largely a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Hmm. So when you talk about a child, a, a teen who has run away, whether they were kicked out of their house for some reason or the trauma in their home life was too much to bear any longer, so they, they went to the streets. Yeah. I fundamentally believe that children do not want to live on the streets. Yeah. That they're there for some reason that felt so much bigger than them they couldn't take it anymore. Um What we have created as a society is just a tiny fraction of what I believe these teenagers really need in order to do a 180 as far as what the trajectory of their life looks like. So the, the path they're on right now, mm-hmm. living on the streets, and what that actually means is, in my opinion, basically headed right into the toilet. Mm. So the 180 that we wanna offer them is what we call a reboot, redirect, excuse me, reboot, rejuvenate, and redirect. Okay. So we wanna reboot their soul, right? Give yeah. them an opportunity to process trauma and learn new life skills. Rejuvenate, okay. get turned on to growing organic food, taking care of farm animals, getting uh, turned on to trades. We're gonna have a private alternative school. Where we focus primarily on experiential learning. Hmm. And the kids, the teens, will get the opportunity to actually gain high school credit through learning in a way that is primarily based in being, <clears throat> excuse me, in Mother Nature. Okay. And learning through project based activities. Okay. Right? So instead of sitting in a classroom in a row and being lectured to, they're gonna be outside involved in all kinds of really fun activities they won't even feel like they're learning largely
0: which oftentimes is the secret isn't it yeah Yeah. absolutely
1: we want to ideally create a love of learning in these young souls
0: yeah yeah we're going to take a break we're talking with uh, katie brown the founder of scorpion creek ranch we'll be right back This is Ari Shapiro with NPR. People collect all sorts of things, stamps, antique lamps, sports memorabilia. If you happen to collect cars and you're looking to make room for some new additions, look no further than this station. Pickup is free and you're helping make your favorite NPR programs possible. Learn more about it on this station's website and thank you in advance for thinking about helping public radio. We're back talking with uh, Katie Brown. She is the founder of Scorpion Creek Ranch. Um, talk about your, as best you can, your plan for how to launch, scale up, that whole thing to be, to make this, to take it from you know the concept in the mind to an actual uh, uh, living, breathing thing.
1: Yes. Well, it's been what I call drinking out of a fire hose. Sure. I started by forming an advisory board. Um, and then I started meeting with executive directors of local youth-oriented nonprofits. For example, Looking Glass, Fifteenth mm-hmm. Night, Hosea House, Connected Lane County, and beyond. And in the beginning, you know, I was really talking about this idea in a very general cons- a general way. But my goal was to create with these organizations what's called a referral partnership. So okay. they all said yes. And the idea is that when a child comes through their doors, we will have established a really clear um set of parameters where what are the what's the type of child that we're going to be able to bring onto the ranch we won't be able to bring on children with severe mental illness severe okay. drug addiction or severe anger issues okay but you know i started volunteering at hosea house this past mm-hmm. year and i wanted to be around the children that we will ultimately serve and it's been so validating for me to be around these teens who primarily are living on the streets, but they come into Hosea House between 11 and six to get a meal, clothing, shower, those kinds of things. Uh, but the doors lock at six, hmm. right? So the kids go back out in the street every night. Yeah. And what I've witnessed firsthand is that almost all the teens that I have now engaged with in this in this setting are respectful, they're kind, they wanna be listened to. Mm-hmm. And I feel that there's such a ripe opportunity to really build on that. yeah. So we had our first fundraiser, our farm-to-table fundraiser on October 1st. And it was incredible. It was powerful. We sold out. We had a standing ovation. Um, it was really the opportunity to deliver this concept to the public. So we raised the money. I have, re- I have since brought on a part-time PR social media mm-hmm. guy, uh, Stone Works Media out of Portland. Okay. And yeah, our goal is to create... Powerful social media and outreach. My goal is to get on as many radio shows, TV shows, uh, get written up in periodicals. I want to get the word out because yeah. I believe that once we get the ranch open, after two to three years, we will have the data and the metrics that we can prove this model is by far not only the most powerful mm-hmm. in the best ways for these kids, but it also ultimately costs less than a chronically homeless individual annually for the taxpayers. Yeah, yeah.
0: Were there models around the country or the state that, that you looked at and, and said, or maybe you, you were able to kind of pick and choose some ideas? You know, this this sounds very unique, but also there are elements of it that I think we, we've heard about before. Talk about sort of how, how you grabbed certain elements, for lack of a better phrase, to sort of make this your own
1: yeah so again i'm in the process of developing and fleshing out all the different what i call nodes Mm -hmm. right so there's the curriculum there's the training of the staff there's there's a lot of different aspects but i have cherry-picked elements from organizations that have implemented what i call more holistic approaches to teaching children whatever it may be Mm -hmm. and um and this specific model is unique Hmm. I have not been able to find anything that is a, a clear overlap okay. within our country. Hmm.
0: Interesting, interesting. Um, so, do you have an idea of a timeline of when you want to sort, sort of, you know, as best you can? What's your yeah. What's your hope for it's, how this can happen? It's
1: it's a bold okay. idea, okay. but I, <clears throat> my my dream is that we will be open by the next winter, hmm. and you know, we have to raise. A lot of money. Okay. We have to raise about seven million dollars, but okay. I fully believe that is doable. Okay, um, and that's why I want us have this spread and become a grassroots movement because I think again people are so desperate for a way to make a difference, and this is a direct path yeah. to support a new model. You,
0: you brought up something earlier, which I want to I want to touch on a little bit. This idea, and it seems like we as a community, as a state, as a nation, are. Maybe finally coming to this this sort of realization that you know with regard to funding, a dollar spent before someone becomes a societal problem yields such amazing results compared to having to spend that dollar in incarceration or other kinds of things. Talk a little bit about that in terms of how that's colored your your mission here
1: yeah absolutely you know we we found some stats that um that show that a chronically homeless person costs the taxpayers somewhere between forty and fifty thousand dollars annually. Wow. So and that, you know, is combined with um, you know, ER visits, jail, the wraparound services, all sure. the things that taxpayer dollars go towards to put a band-aid on a bullet wound again. And yeah. um, and I think your points of putting a dollar spending a dollar to prevent chronic homelessness Mm -hmm. is a way better way to not only save money but to take care of the children who have not had the benefit of being born into a family Mm -hmm. that is a healthy stable home
0: yeah your background in entrepreneurship talk about what that experience you're bringing to this for example and this is this is this is probably way too much of a generalization but you know nonprofit leadership tends to come from other nonprofits and, and so on and so forth. And, and I'm wondering, you know, entrepreneurship is a, you know, you eat what you kill kind of a mentality. It's very aggressive. It's very fast paced. It's very, uh, you know, break the mold. Were there elements of that that you think set you up for success that, that maybe you might not have had if you came from a long career in nonprofit management?
1: 100%. Okay. Um, I think the one of the core personality traits of I'll, I'll use the term serial entrepreneur <laughs> is that you see a problem mm-hmm. and you focus on finding a solution and then you get to work. Okay. Whereas you know, nonprofits maybe could be compared to bureaucratic systems. I don't know okay. w- enough about that, but Sure my brief interaction with the bureaucratic system was exactly what I expected it to be. It was a lot of inertia, and this is how it's done, and putting your hands up in the air, like, yeah, we all know it doesn't work, but this is what's happening. And I got really fed up with that with regard to my sister. So I am applying this entrepreneurial mindset, which is there's a critical problem that we face now with with homelessness, specifically kids. That I, as a mother who now has a 24-year-old and a 20-year-old, I can't stand by any longer and watch this progress.
0: Okay. In addition to what you're doing, and and certainly as you're building this and and thinking about it, you know, do we as a community need a a kind of a radical shift in our thinking about three things? Homeless people in general, the way in which we provide their services, and then I, I think the third is kind of, how the different sectors of a community or maybe even four sectors come together government private business nonprofits and then just people in general
1: yes absolutely but if you would do me a favor and just go back to what your first question was and then I can answer them one by one sure i mean do we need to change our mindset our community mindset
0: about how we think about homelessness
1: yes in general yes i think unequivocally um, and it stems also from this experience yet again with my sister there is a stigma that is attached to people with mental illness mm-hmm. there's a stigma attached to people who are homeless and the stigma with the homeless dem- demographic mm-hmm. is predominantly that they're lazy they're drug addicts and they just need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps yeah. and that does that does not apply
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: and then you know
0: you being private private business but then also seeing what kind of bureaucracy can do, and I imagine a lot of that's government-based bureaucracy. But I, I wanted to ask you, you're, you're kind of prescriptive about how the main pillars of a community can work together to help solve this problem. Individuals, businesses, government, and nonprofits. It's a, it's, it's a big question, I know, but I imagine, you know, as an entrepreneur, you kind of have to weave your way in between all those systems. Sometimes. Oh, absolutely.
1: And I think, you know, for me, the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned in this process is learning how to talk about this vision that I I see so clearly in my mind's eye. I mm-hmm. feel it with every cell of my body. And yet so many people I talk to... It doesn't quite resonate with them because it is so different than what they know and many people have said why don't you just support the wraparound services that exist and my answer to that is because they're not really working in the way that i think we could be helping yeah. these kids so my dream is that the idea of scorpion creek ranch and the holistic aspect of it once we're up and running long enough, we will have the data. And a lot of people rely on data. Sure, They wanna know where's the proof, right? And sure. for me, this is more about wisdom. Hmm. How do we apply wisdom? And people who are homeless, when you're operating in lizard brain every single day, all you care about is finding a meal yeah, and finding a place to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And then maybe if you're lucky enough, finding a dry place that can maybe keep you warm through a very cold night.
0: Okay. Your vision, let's let's say, you know, two, three, four years down the road. What what do you think? What what do you hope Scorpion Creek Ranch is going to look like and and, and and sort of how it's gonna how it's gonna be in our community?
1: Well, I hope that we will have a tremendous amount of community involvement. I hope that people will recognize that there is a much better way to be doing things that is effective, and that we will then be getting many, many calls from other states hmm. who want to implement a similar model.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, my my last question for you, Katie, is, is what... Many people would look as, from your view, and look out and say, you know what, it might be, maybe we can fix certain elements, but we'll never fix the entire problem of homelessness, especially youth and being homeless. You know, what is it that gives you hope that it can be a solvable crisis
1: well you know i don't propose that that i slash scorpion creek ranch can solve homelessness i do you know someone gave me this um anecdote i think it's called where a guy some people are walking down the beach and there are all these starfish that have washed up Mm -hmm. and one of the people starts picking up the starfish and throwing it back in the ocean and this guy walks by and says, looks around, he goes, why are you even bothering? <laughs> what, what difference is it going to make? And he said, it makes a difference to that starfish.
0: Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and my thought is, we're not going to solve homelessness. But I do believe we're going to be able to save and change the lives of many, many children. And therefore, hopefully break generational trauma.
0: Great, great. Well, Katie Brown, the founder of Scorpion Creek Ranch, thanks so much for coming in and talking to us.
1: Thank you so much.
0: That was our conversation with Katie Brown, the founder of Scorpion Creek Ranch, a proposed recovery center for at-risk and homeless youth in our community. This has been the Oregon Rainmakers podcast on KLCC. I'm Michael Dunn, your host. Thanks for listening.